Independence and freedom are often mistaken to be the same thing. I think they're two different things. Independence is your ability to chase a dream, to do what you want, as long as you pay the right fees, follow the right rules, follow the right guidelines, allow yourself to have oversight. Freedom is the ability to walk out the door, wake up in the morning, and do what you want, when you want, how you want to. And that's what this show is about. We're going to be talking about what we want to talk about, how we want to fucking talk about it. I'm going to bring you the truth. I'm going to bring you facts. I'm going to bring you data. Some of it may rub you the wrong way. Some of it may be something you don't even want to hear about. But you can best believe I'm going to tell you the fucking truth about it. I'm going to tell you like it is. This is your host, Christopher Scott Rudder. So we're going to go ahead and jump right into it. I've got a bunch of clips prepared this week um, with everything that's going on with um, being included in InfoWars and being on Band.com and all that stuff. Uh, part of it is that I do use um, some of their clips and everything. What we talked about earlier about your dad, I'm thinking about maybe um, doing a solo sh- show where I backtrack the past two years with a lot of source information on why it is that dissidents like us think the way that we do. So that way you're not included in the conversation so it doesn't feel like an attack. If you want to replay it for him, then, um, so I've got, uh, some recording time and everything set up for multiple times a week. Now, um, the big Monday show of course is like a two hour deal. Uh, everything else is like 15, 20 minutes uh, that'll be on Facebook Live, be going to YouTube and Rumble and Getter and a few other news channels. Um, and then, um, so I'm going to announce all of that here on the opening of the show, okay? Perfect. All right, cool. So we'll go ahead and jump into it with this week's intro song.
I read the news today. Oh boy, I'm telling you what. It's kind of funny how history repeats itself. And whenever you're dealing with a group that's a, as iconic as the Beatles and the way that they were writing this music at this point in time in the 60s, you're talking about the heat of the Cold War or the height of it where the world was being drawn in. And of course, you also had the British invasion happening at the same time. But it's interesting how those lyrics kind of mirror a little bit about what is actually going on today. I heard the news today, oh boy, and, and um, I, we've got a lot of stuff to cover from this past week's news, and um, before we jump into that, just want to let everybody know on this week's broadcast, I brought back Serenity Stone um, for, for another appearance here on the show. Uh, we've got a lot of things that are cooking here with the show, um, beginning on April the 1st. You will be able to find us on the InfoWars Network, the Alex Jones Network on BandVideo.com. You'll be able to see all of our newest episodes begin to be uploaded there. So if you're an InfoWars watcher, uh, you'll be able to see us uh, and find us on like reports with John Reese and Owen Schroyer and, and many other big reporters um, that are included in, the, in that network. And then also uh, we're going to be switching platforms um, my sponsorship is about to be up with Anchor, and I'm switching to another platform. Uh, that news will be uh, coming here in the next week or so. The website itself is just about finished. Uh, we have a new um, public fans group on Facebook, um, which also translates to Instagram and on Twitter as well. It's the Christopher S. Rudder telling you like it is fan uh, fan page. Um it's only been out for a little bit over a week now, and, and the funny thing about the way Facebook operates, unless you want to like pay big time for um, advertising on the network, you're only allowed to uh, recruit uh, 50 or so people a day to a page. So with it o only being open for a week, we're already up to 150 members, most of them jumping from the What's Your F and Binge page, uh, which is not dead. As I mentioned on the fan page the other day, What's Your F and Binge is very much alive and well. Whenever me and Joe have an opportunity to record together, we will. He just has a very new and hectic life with a three-year-old daughter, uh, him and his wife both work and everything, and this is my drive and passion to be able to talk about everything that we're talking about now, and he has a very limited bandwidth to be able to talk about the things that we find interesting to talk about to each other, and Joe's bag is not politics uh, uh, by any stretch of the imagination. He'll avoid that conversation at any cost. We usually talk about funny shit and, uh, you know, TV and binge watching and, and all of that. That's the reason there's the separate name within the title of the What's Your F and Binge fan group or the what, What's Your F and Binge page on Spotify. You can also look us up uh, under the Christopher S. Rudder is telling you like it is. You could Google Christopher S. Rudder and all of the paid, uh, all of the new episodes from the past six months will come up. All of the new material, it happens on Apple, happens on Spotify, happens on Google Podcast, Radio Public, uh, on Amazon Music, uh, on iHeart, wherever you want to look it up, whatever it is that you're used to listening to, all you got to do is just look up Christopher S. Rudder and everything will pop up. And now that it's included on the Alex Jones InfoWars network on band.video.com, that's a, a really... 
that's something I've been working kind of undercover behind the scenes for the past couple months. Obviously, everybody has known that I've gotten permission to use some of their material in my shows. Uh, but in the meantime, we've worked this into a deal that now I'm able to actually post onto the InfoWars network. So that's a, kind of a, a big feather in the cap for me at the moment. And uh, as of this um, uh, past Saturday on the Good Pods uh, podcasting uh, host site, uh, which represents a little bit over 18,000 current and active podcasts. Uh, and what that basically means is if you don't post a new episode at least every 30 days, that they don't even allow you to post on their network. So out of 18,000 po- uh, podcasts, about 1,500 of them are news-oriented um, this show that you're currently listening to, the listeners of the show, you're listening to the number four rated politics show in the United States as far as politics go uh, on the indie charts and the number 28th uh, nationally up there uh, uh, with the uh, with the big boys, with MSNBC, with NBC, CNBC, Louder with Crowder, The Hill, all of these other all of these other shows were being listened to on their on their platform just as much as all of the big shoes that people think are national uh, big deals. So uh, we're definitely moving in the right direction. We're gaining new listeners all the time. The demographics are really moving into uh, kind of a, a different area. Whenever the show first started, our original demographic, because Joe and I really uh, set everything up to really be geared towards our friends and family and everything, our listening demographic was mostly, uh, it was 63% male on the age of 35 to 60. I'm 51, okay, well, I know some people who are a little bit older than me who do listen to podcasts, but that 35 to 50 demographic is a very older demographic as far as podcasting is concerned. Most people who listen to podcasts are in the 25 to 40 year range, but since we've moved over to the Good Good Pods platform, that uh, demographic is actually moving. We're picking up more of the 26 to 40 year olds, and it's moving towards as almost an even split on male versus female, and I, I think a lot of that has to, has to do with uh, the episodes that I do have Serenity on, and whenever I do have other guests on, I, I think that information, whenever it is truthful, and whenever it's not biased, whenever people hear the truth, it doesn't matter if you're male or female, the truth is easily identified, I think. So I think that's why the split is moving from so male-oriented as it originally began almost four years ago, whenever Joe and I first started this channel, uh, to where it is currently with this news format, that it's moved from a, a 60-40, I just got a new follower on Gitter while we're going live right now, um, uh, while, we're, while we're going from you know, the, the uh, comedy and, and the TV binge-watching format, uh, to where we're actually talking about news and presenting things in a truthful and unbiased way. And um, that brings me to uh, Serenity, how the fuck you doing? I am doing good, and may I say congratulations on the InfoWars, band.video.com stuff, everything. You've really dedicated a lot of time to earning that spot, so I'm proud of you, man. Yeah, man, it's been, uh, it's a lot of work, and um, it's a lot of research more than anything. Like, uh, right now, uh, the way the platform has been working is we've been doing, I record every Monday night, and whether I have a guest or I don't. 
Um, it, it's generally a two-hour show, and if it goes more than two hours, then I'll split it up into two different parts. Um, but uh, the way that we're going to go forward with this, with the ability to be on uh, band.video uh, on the InfoWars network and everything, uh, is that uh, I, I want to start presenting some more daily information. I'll be doing uh, Facebook Live. I'll be doing YouTube uh, I'll be doing live and recorded whenever we switch over to the new platform partner, whenever I switch from anchor, uh, that's going to be a lot more streamless and seamless to be able to do. So, uh, whenever I do record an episode, it's going to go out to multiple streams at the same time. So a lot of people, no matter where you are, whether it's Instagram or Twitter or Getter or, or Rumble or what or Newsy or whatever, all of these new social networks that are popping up all of the time that don't want to be speech restrictive, you'll yeah. be able to you'll be able to experience this as, as both a a live show and then also you'll get the post edited, um, maybe not more of a polished show. My show's never going to be fucking polished. I'm going to say what the fuck <laughs> I want, how the fuck I want to. I'm going to drink while I'm fucking doing it. It is what it is. But, uh, um, you know, whenever you watch a live stream version of what we do versus uh, the edited version of what comes out after the fact, it is a little bit different. Two hours of recording time can end up being an hour and a half of content because we cut out the pauses or ums or, you know, like repeating myself. I don't want to do that uh, in the recorded version. But on the live version, I'm just going to go fucking aces wild and, and... and put it out to as many people as, as we possibly can. So I'm really excited about that new development. And um, I've got a couple of content tidbits that I'm going to put out this week just to clue everybody in. Um, Serenity and I were talking earlier this week um, about the family dynamic and everything as far as uh, if you have opposing views within the same family and how to get somebody... You can't really change anybody's mind whenever you're sitting at the dinner table. Everybody's kind of dug in, right? So what I wanted to do was to take a uh, quick show, maybe just 20 or 30 minutes, and run through the past couple years narrative on everything pre-pandemic, during the pandemic, and how the narrative has changed and completely changed the defining points and the information points and the narrative of science over and over and over again so that way somebody who doesn't understand why I'm why we we are such a dissident of information or uh, we don't believe the popular narrative because we've been lied to so many times I'm going to put together a, a, a quick show that runs down the past couple of years uh, in a 20 or 30 minute format so that way it's easily showable if you have somebody in in your family or somebody who's a, a, a friend and you guys just always butt heads whenever it comes to these uh, common subjects that are always being replayed on the on the news whether it has to do with COVID or whether it has to do with Ukraine whether it has to do with Biden or his son or Pelosi or Tulsi Gabbard or bringing up Trump's name all of these little hot points of topics all of these little subjects that get brought up all the time this is going to I, I want to put together a narrative kind of like the way I did with Klaus Schwab and the NWO and George Soros yeah. uh, kind of like a, a an encyclopedia version of why it is that you need to pay attention to these people and their key talking points so that way somebody can follow in a linear version 
of why it is that we have begun to think this way or have always thought this way or have always questioned the narrative, whether you're a constitutionalist, whether you're a libertarian, whether you're right of the aisle or left of the aisle, there's always meeting ground if we don't want to result to tribalism. And that right. is... It's just hard to find that middle ground with everybody that you know because everyone seems to have a very strong stance in whatever their belief is. And nobody is willing to find that common ground in order to be able to be happy around each other without triggering some sort of a response that is negative. And, and I, I believe that uh, the biggest catalyst for this, uh, the reason, I mean, this really isn't anything new, the left of the aisle or the right of the aisle argument. But the reason has become so separated and so heated and such a non-sequitur um, subject that you cannot discuss it without it breaking down into a major argument or a major disagreement between lifelong friends or even family members is because of the heat that was brought about because of the way, A, Donald Trump ran, and, and B, because of the way that he lost. <laughs> and, and we're not even going to get into stolen elections or anything like that. The people who came out and voted against him voted against him because of the narrative of racism and hate. And um, because of that, this past six years in the country has dug an even bigger trench between either side of the aisle or either ideology. And that is unfortunate. And I'm hoping that I can create with this other episode something that kind of shows both both ways of thinking on this and where the doublespeak comes from because there's doublespeak on both sides of the aisle. If you're dealing with the Senate or Congress, if you're dealing with the Hill, if you're dealing with the White House, there is doublespeak and there is deals made and there are um, uh, negotiations where somebody does something different than what they originally ran on um, or what they originally spoke about. And, uh, you know, whether it's a confirmation hearing or whatever the case, there's many different instances that you could point out on either side of the aisle. And that's what I really want to point out is the fact that people have become so tribalized or sectionalized or to a point even culted where you're so entrenched into your way of thinking that you cannot even look at the other side of science or you cannot even look at the other side of the opinion because that means at the core of somebody that now all of a sudden you're agreeing with what you thought was a racist or you're agreeing with you know, two years ago, the term anti-vaxxer came out and people were like, well, I want to protect grandma. I want to protect my granddaughter. I want to protect Uncle John who has fucking leukemia. We all want to fucking protect them. Okay. There's, there's nothing that there's nobody out there who's saying they don't want to protect them or, or do what's right for, for those specific people. But at the same time, freedom of choice is something that not our Declaration of Independence was set up on. However, the ability for the government to impend on you or to actually make you make a decision is something that the Declaration of Independence is built on. 
And the Bill of Rights, since then, um, gives you the ability to have freedom of choice and freedom of speech. So the best way for us to be able to have a dialogue, for us to be able to have a back and forth on this, is to understand that freedom of speech gives the other person the opportunity to say something that you don't disagree with, and if you can keep from becoming emotional to the point that you have to interrupt them and you have to downgrade their opinion, if you can just listen to them and listen to the facts that are presented from their point of view, this is how a discourse is actually supposed to happen. And that's what I'm hoping to accomplish whenever I do this uh, um Uh, bonus content this week and that's something that i want to continue to do on the weekly show here whenever we have the long format uh with conversation with a guest in in this week's case it's a repeat guest with uh, serenity and and any other time whether i'm solo or i have somebody else i want to have the opportunity to have a discourse you don't always have to agree with me if you disagree with me then let's let's talk about it but the worst thing that can happen is become such a heated tirade or such a heated debate that you continue to talk over each other that no point can possibly ever be made. And that's where I think the majority of families and friends find themselves at, at the lunch or dinner table in today's United States. Exactly. And I think that a lot of people need to remember that keeping your mouth shut and just listening isn't always agreeing with whatever they're saying but at least letting them speak whatever they want to say because we believe in freedom of speech so therefore letting them speak doesn't mean you're agreeing with them you don't even have to reply you could just say okay i'm done with that conversation after they're done but sometimes speaking is the worst thing you could possibly do and that really brings up an interesting thing because, you know, during the 60s and 70s, which and, and it still actually continued um, on today's BBC network and uh, Al Jazeera uh, and many other news uh, networks. But during the 60s and 70s, there was a press um, news show that was called Count Counterpoint, where you had to lay out the entire length of your argument. It didn't matter if we were talking about civil rights or segregation or uh, should we be in this Cold War with Russia? Should we be in Vietnam? It was called Point Counterpoint. And you had to, like, speak from whatever side you were given. And each side was given yeah. a equal length of time. Yeah. Okay, so which is much like high school debate club. Okay, we each have five minutes to make our points, to make our outline. And if in five minutes I can make an A through F outline, and in five minutes you only make an A through C outline, it doesn't mean I have more information than you, but those points should make somebody in the course of a debate make a decision for either side of the debate. You're given equal time. Yeah. That was a news show, very popular in the United States from the 60s through the 70s. And it's still currently done in a couple of different other formats uh, on BBC. Not done in Canada, not done in Australia. Um, And uh, the BBC did away with it in 2019, their version of that show. But up until just a couple years ago, that was a very popular and... Um, the people who watched that show, even though 
maybe most people would consider that they were boring or, you know, in the doldrum of, of debate and, and you're dealing with the minutia of these different points of this analysis uh, within this uh, conversation. You still came out of that conversation very much more informed than the average person who only read the Sunday newspaper. Right? And the well, problem... Go ahead. I was just going to say, like, you're really only hearing one side of every story. I mean, the news doesn't report one side and then report the opposite side. So it would be nice if something like that came back, just so everyone's informed. I mean, doesn't matter which side you're on, you have all the information. And the problem is, is because it makes good TV to have two people with opposing views argue and blow up and get red-faced and the veins in the forehead and neck stick out. That makes better TV than the ending result of people being informed from either side. That's the short attention span theater that has been cultivated. Um... You know, much to the chagrin or maybe the original planning of what cable news was invented for, the original version of CNN was to always be in touch at any time. You were supposed to be in touch with what was going on in the world to be able to hear all sides of all things, to hear the right or the left, hear Russia, hear China, hear, you're always supposed to be in touch. That was the original CNN advertising programming. Always be in touch. Ah. Uh, now look how far removed we are from that. <laughs> they are like Jeffrey Epstein touched. Like uh, I only like yeah, they, they, they Yeah, they have all been touched. Yeah, that's <laughs> the problem. You know, so um, you have so many people. Oh, yeah. the, the, the problem with becoming one of these talking heads in one of these major news groups or to even become a politician in many different situations is for you to reach or to ascend to that point of influence or that point of talking power that the only reason you're given that camera time is because they do have some dirt on you. You can only go so far with the truth. You can't yeah. speak the whole fucking truth. You can't, buddy, you can't say that. We have videos of you letting a 16-year-old suck your dick. That's what Epstein did. Oh, yeah. Okay. Or younger. And Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to get gross or anything like that, but, you know, let's just keep it to, let's keep it to the Pornhub teen, teen yeah, let's keep it to the Pornhub <laughs> teen club, you know? Okay, so we got a, a, a video of you letting this questionable 17-year-old suck your dick. You don't want that video coming out. You're married. Your constituents think that you're, you know, family-oriented. You know, whatever the case is. So there's so many of these talking heads, and there's so many of these political figures. And the transcriptions of all of the flights that go through the Epstein Island affair that goes all the way back to 1997... So you're dealing with the Clintons, you're dealing with the Bushes, you're dealing with everybody since then. You can't really say anybody who's a prominent and permanent figure on the Hill has escaped any of that. Whether it's Pizzagate or Epstein Island, any of that shit. There isn't anybody's name who has really been left out of that. And there's so many sources. You know, where there's smoke, there's fire. Okay? And if you keep hearing the same people's name come up over and over and over and over again, sooner or later you have to go, well, you know, 
I've heard Biden, I've heard Biden's son has a lot of questionable personal activity, and he likes smoking crack and dealing with hookers. <sighs> okay, and now we have the laptop thing that comes out, and just just Saturday, the New York Times said, okay, Biden Hunter's laptop, it really happened. It wasn't part of RussiaGate. All of these RussiaGate things have fallen to the wayside, but nobody will pay attention to that. They still keep using the Russian thing as a ruse to bury somebody under the headlines or to manipulate. It's it's like Russia has almost become like a ghost, a shadow of its former self. They can't even invade a 30 million person country without getting their ass kicked for the past month. This is Russia. Well, it depends on what news you're watching or who you know. I mean, I don't know if any of the footage is real, and I don't know if it's even really happening. I just hear that it's happening. And, and this is something that was... Um, <laughs> this is something that has been spoken about in many science fiction movies and stories. Remember Total Recall? Oh, yeah. Okay. On Total Recall, they made it look like Mars was totally peaceful and everything was good, but the reality of it was is that the people were totally subjugated to Kinnigan, the power that be. And the opposite has been shown in many other science fiction movies in 1984 and uh, uh, Blade Runner and all of these other stories. What we're seeing right now is that the science of the times and... The technology of the times, they're able to perfectly produce a war movie on demand in live time, and you have no way of telling what is the truth or was it what isn't. Now, there's a large portion of the population out there who's going to say, well, it's on the news. It has to be real. And I'm sorry, there's nothing you and I are, I could put together a million special reports, and there's not anything I'm going to be able to put in front of people that's going to make a large portion of those people question or change their mind. They're just going to believe what they're shown because they're indoctrinated to a large extent that it's happened so much of their life that you don't question that news authority and what they're showing you. If it's actually happening, that's what they're showing you. And it is what it is. And that's horrible. That's the reason you have so many people who are doing um, you know, uh, uh, they're, they're showing themselves up to be, you know, uh, moral highlights that, um, you know, stand with Ukraine, no matter what, if you don't stand with Ukraine, then you're an enemy of the state, which brings me to my first clip. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we're going to talk about this in, uh, from a couple of different scenarios here, but, uh, the first thing here I want to talk about is the current narrative that's going on in the news cycle is just a few days ago, Joe Biden had that big news press conference saying the American people have it wrong. They think that inflation happens because of government spending. That's so wrong. It's because of Putin. And then you have all of these other dominoes that fall within the news cycle where they all repeat these headlines. Oh my God. It's, it's, 
it's just incredibly crazy that anybody would believe anything like this. But I have a little thing that's put to, put together where we have Pelosi and Saki and Biden all blundering, trying to put together some sort of decent fucking explanation to attach all of this to what Putin's doing, <laughs> that inflation over the past year, in 2021, inflation rose 7.9%. Remember those reports just came out. But yeah. it just started when Putin started the invasion, and this is them trying to explain it. The horrible truth cannot be denied. The Biden administration is directly responsible for the war in Ukraine, gas prices, food shortages, and inflation. Who was your highest level of contact with the U.S. government in this period? Я постоянно имел контакт с Владимиром Байденом. Владимир Байден говорил одно, а в Украине делали другое. Questions of credibility are being raised after a private chat between two top U.S. diplomats was leaked online. I think Yats is the guy who's got the economic experience, the governing experience. He's, he's the guy, you know, what he needs is Cleach and Tony Book on the outside. I, I, I just think Cleach going in, he's going to be at that level working for Yats and Yuk, It's just not going to work. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's right. Okay. Good. Well, do you want us to try to set up a call with him? Here's the next step. Sullivan's come back to me, uh, VFR, saying you need Biden, and I said probably tomorrow for an attaboy and to get the deeds to stick. So okay. Biden's willing. So you had this remarkable phone call where you have these two senior officials of the U.S. government apparently talking about a coup or how they were planning to restructure the government of Ukraine. We're on track right now. On track to be the first president in history to lower the deficit by over one trillion dollars. That statement is made before they put in the $1.9 trillion budget proposal that was originally pre uh, prepared to only be $1 trillion. That's how they're saving a $1 trillion. They propose to spend $2 trillion, and they're only spending $1. That's democratic wow. math for you. It's in one year. <laughs> so I'm sick of this stuff. We have to talk about it because the American people think the reason for inflation is government spending more money. Simply not true. Inflation is not created by COVID. It's not created by Putin. It's not created by greedy corporations gouging their customers. There's one source of inflation. The actual definition of inflation is an expansion of the money supply. And it's the Federal Reserve that's been expanding the money supply. They've called it quantitative easing, but they keep creating dollars. And it's the U.S. government that spends those dollars into circulation. And as it does that, the value of each dollar goes down. And so the price of everything that you buy with dollars goes up. And they're saying 7.9%, which is the worst inflation since 1982. What they don't tell you is that we had a different CPI in 1982. And if we use the same CPI today that we used then, we would be over 15% inflation. CPI is cost point index. In other words, the cost of fuel, the cost of organic, uh, which is your groceries, and the cost of utilities and rent which means 2021 or 2022 right now this is the worst inflation in our lifetimes we're experiencing higher inflation now than anything during the 1970s and this decade is just getting started inflation's got only one way to go and that's up irrefutably attributable to the corrupt sociopathic establishment that hides behind the senile blunderer-in-chief in plain sight Putin's 
tax. That's a, a, that's really Putin's gas hike. That's his gas hike. This, so much of this uh, increase in the gas tax, uh, the gas uh, price started, uh, uh, Biden's Can you even understand what that bitch is saying? Oh my God! That's that Pelosi. Pelosi. She's trying to blame it on on Putin. She's just making you know the little hot that, take, the little that. soundbite statements there, and she's trying to blame it on Putin. Uh, but what everybody is forgetting is that our natural gas resources from Russia actually come up to less than ten percent of what we use in gasoline and natural gas economic wrecking ball was recently aided by the decimation of small businesses overwhelmed by the tycoons of the pandemic economy who got the money from the paytech protection program you know this is our 800 billion dollars that's kind of a lot okay that we gave out Mm -hmm. only about a quarter of the money spent by the program paid wages that would have otherwise been lost so three quarters of it didn't do of 800 billion and then 72 percent of the relief money ended up in the hands of people with incomes household incomes in the top 20 percent all that money end up the people who are in the top 20 percent driving a final stake into the heart of the middle class economy as seven in ten americans are living paycheck to paycheck while over half of americans don't have three months in emergency savings as food producers continue to minimize their products airlines are scaling back on flights truckers add more fuel surcharges Bidenflation destroys the recovery following the pandemic as the war on fossil fuels continues to ripple through an engineered depression with the end game ushering in the great reset where you will own nothing and be happy. John Bow. <laughs> Thanks a lot, John. I love that commercial. Yeah, right. Uh, you will own nothing and you will you will own nothing and, and you will like it. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. and, and whenever you hear the person who actually makes that statement if you don't laugh and you're like, like this can't be real. This is like from a James Bond movie. No, it's very real, and he is. It, it doesn't seem real though. When you watch it, it's like this, this has to be a parody. It's Saturday Night Live, right? Right, <laughs> right, and and you know, whenever you hear Nancy Pelosi and and she becomes more and more un- unhinged, we have so many, okay, and and, and octanarian is described as somebody who is 90 plus, okay? Somebody who is approaching 100 years old. I'm sorry, over 80. Yeah. Um, I, I misquoted. Okay. Uh, okay, eight is off. Yeah. Yes, okay. okay. An octanarian is somebody who is over 80, 80 years old. We have, within the Senate and <clears throat> the House of Representatives, uh, which in the Senate there's 100 members, and in the House of Representatives... Uh, we have 186. That's 286 total members on the Hill. Of those 286, including Bernie Sanders and Pelosi, we have 36 octanarians who are running our government. Now, I'm not saying discredit anybody who is elderly, okay? But... For anybody out there, like seriously, if if I'm 80 and you're still making me do what I've been doing my entire life and greasing palms and shit, please let me rest. 
Well, see, that's the problem because they've been so inserted and they have been so... Um, there's a level of uh, indoctrination that comes with this. And I know that you're familiar with with this whenever I'm talking about somebody who's elderly and and they just won't let go of what they thought their ideals identified with. But those times have changed, okay? And, you know, an octanarian, they were alive and well and doing many magnificent things in the 60s and 70s, okay? You're talking about 30-year-olds at that point in time. You're dealing with the Summer of Love, the protest against Vietnam, civil rights, uh, desegregation, all of these battles that are the right battles, the right and just battles of what what makes America great. They are so attached to that that happened 50 years ago that they're that much detached from the reality of what's happening today. These two borders or these two ideals have blended over so much with these people that whenever you look at the Democratic Party and what it stood for during the 1980s, whenever they ran against Uncle Ronnie, I always call him Uncle Ronnie, um, whenever they ran against Ronald Reagan, they were about free speech, demilitarizing every area of the country. We can't have Iran-Contra. We can't be supporting these people with guns and money and the war on drugs and all of these things. Uh, Forty years ago, whenever Nancy Pelosi was only 40, those ideals were ideal. For, for a lack of a better word, you know, we, we were looking for people who were not part of the military industrial complex, people who were against war, people who were looking to free and lift up the urban areas of the country to do better for our fellow man who has been put into a lesser situation. We're looking for those people, those leaders, who will bring those people out of those situations. And now look at what it has become 40 years later. Now you're dealing with a Democratic Party, and, and this situation is going to flip. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn on the Republicans here in a minute. As I say every fucking episode, I am not for either side of the, of the aisle. I think that everybody who's been in office for more than two terms at this point in time where we are right now, every fucking one of them needs to be voted out, okay? But whenever you're dealing with these Democrats who have been lifelong, they used to stand for free speech. They used to stand for anti-war. They used to stand for not holding anybody down, not identifying anybody on race. Now look at them. They're funding... funding the next war, all of the Democrats are the war hawks right now. Yep. And then you're looking at not holding your fellow man down. What the fuck do you call cancel culture? Uh-huh. What, what do you call yeah. wokeism? That's not a Republican ideal. <laughs> that has never been part of it. And as I have said on a couple of other episodes, as Abraham Lincoln, Lincoln once said... 
I haven't seen the Democrats be this mad since we took away their slaves. That is a quote from Abraham Lincoln. Now, you flip it over and let's look at the Republicans. They have always been anti-big government. And now you look at them, they're very inserted, and they have been since George H. Bush, to be very much a part of the war machine. That's the reason we had weapons of mass destruction that ended up not ever being fucking true. Let's not fail to point that out to anybody. And then you have them talking about the small person or the little person or the mom and pop shop while they support Target and Walmart and their exploitation and expansion. Steve Jobs is the perfect example. While he was a slave and taskmaster coming up with all these great ideas, he supported and funded a lot of Republican politicians and then come to find out the factory that they produce all the fucking iPhones at has fucking bouncing nets at to keep people from jumping out of the windows and killing themselves. So everything has turned itself upside down and everything points to the power power and money and industrial complex grab to where we really put everybody on top who's the top 1% or the top 1% of the 1% and everybody else is just cannon fodder for that. Well, I think that that's the only way that they could bring in a new evolution, this industrial complex, is if they take out the majority of people's voices and only leave the ones that will benefit from the voice they want to be heard. Well, it, it was, um, uh, it was not until the, what was the first little iPad thingy that played songs? What was that? Oh. Oh, fuck. The little iTunes thing, whatever the fuck it was. It wasn't until the... It wasn't until the third version of that. I remember this almost specifically. It was around 2007 or 2008 where everybody had to have the iPod. That's what it was. The iPod. It wasn't until then that we found out after the fact that that is made in basically what is considered to be a slave market in China... And we found out the factory conditions, where those things were actually made. And that was an iPhone 3, that same generation of the iPod. Whenever everything broke out for Steve Jobs and everything, that we found out that they were using basically slave labor. People who were paid 78 cents on the day. People were killing themselves because of the working conditions. And they had to put up fucking safety nets around the entire factory to keep people from jumping off the top floor and fucking committing suicide. It wasn't until then that we found out how corrupt what was supposed to be the people's technology wasn't that what Apple was? Uh, well, that's what it was recreated for, yeah. Yeah. And, and and then you have, you find out their involvement. And uh, then, you know, Snowden comes out talking about the Freedom of Information Act. All of this stuff that, that happened post 
you know, 9-11, where the government is able to tap in and listen to all of your information, look at all of your emails, listen to all of your phone calls, look at everything that you're doing. It wasn't until then that we found out that how embedded they actually were with the government that we thought that they were opposed to. They were for the people, but they were actually hand-in-hand, hand-in-glove with the government. And there's so many other business and businesses and technocrats that have come about since then that have shown that this is just everyday business around the world. This is part of the Great Reset. This is all part of the Fourth Industrial Revolution or Post-Industrial Revolution where you will own nothing and you will like it. But who does that benefit in the end to own nothing? Because if you don't own it, who does? Ah, that's the next question, okay? So the next question is, who does that benefit? And how is that set up? So over the past years, past uh, 15 years, you have companies like BlackRock, like Blackmore, Dark Moon. This all sounds very Star Wars-y. You know, Darth Vader, uh, <laughs> Dark Maul, all of this shit, right? Um, you have all of these companies who are buying up private home settings. BlackRock right now is buying so many private home neighborhoods that the housing market is worried about, is it about to turn into a renters-only market? Dang. They have spent approximately $3 trillion to gobble up all of the real estate that they could possibly get their hands on so that way they could privatize what used to be home ownership amongst all of the capitalist nations. This stretches all the way from Australia to Canada, United States, England, Sweden, Switzerland, everywhere. I say Switzerland because did you not notice just a couple of weeks ago they finally broke their 75-year stance of neutralization? No longer are they neutral. They are no longer neutral. They turned over all those... Switzerland bank accounts, those fucking gold-plated bank accounts. They turned that over and all of their influence. If it was attached to the Russian economy, fuck it, they're done. So we're going to blackball, we're going to eightball, okay? A one billion population part of the planet. And keep in mind, the population of the planet is almost nine billion, okay? So we're dealing with 11% of the population, has been completely turned against. If I was to go down your street right now and just fucking shoot up one out of every ten houses, what do you think would start happening? Um, I think a few people would be damn upset. (laughs) They probably would start shooting back. I I think 95% of my neighbors have guns by their beds, so yeah. Yeah. So this is a five percent being children. Let me just say, no kids in my neighborhood have guns, but they will when they're old enough. And then whenever you're dealing with this, and we're coming off two years ago, dealing with the beginning of the pandemic, and uh, you know, I I was banned multiple times from social platforms, whether it was Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, uh, talking about the Wuhan lab uh, theory. 
and how it actually leaked and that the uh, pandemic is not man-made. It's manufactured and motherfuckers like Fauci are behind it. Um, now we're coming into a point in time where we're discussing or arguing about whether or not there's actually biolabs in the Ukraine. Isn't that weird how all of a sudden we're getting ready to come off this two years of pandemic and lockdowns and we're getting ready to deal with a whole nother Wuhan lab idea, but the media won't allow you to discuss it. That brings me to my next clip. Romney, you've called me a treasonous liar simply for stating the fact that there are over 25 U.S.-funded biolabs in Ukraine, which, if breached, would release and spread deadly pathogens across the United States and the world, and therefore they must be secured so that we can prevent any new pandemics from occurring. Now, bizarrely, you claim that securing these labs, or even calling for securing these labs, is treasonous and will lead to a loss of life. When the exact opposite is obviously true, the spread of pathogens is what will cause the loss of life, not the prevention of such a spread. So, Senator Romney, please provide evidence that what I've said is not true and treasonous. And if you cannot, you should do the honorable thing. Apologize. Resign from the U.S. Senate. Evidence of the existence of these biolabs in Ukraine, their vulnerability, and therefore the need to take immediate action to secure them is beyond dispute. Just the other day, the State Department's Victoria Newland acknowledged that these labs that contain dangerous pathogens exist in Ukraine in her testimony to the U.S. Senate. Ukraine has a biological research facilities. This is the Undersecretary of Defense. In fact, we are now quite concerned Russian troops, Russian forces may be seeking to uh, gain control of. So we are working with the Ukrainians on how they can prevent any of those research materials from falling into the hands of uh, Russian forces should they approach. In a Pentagon fact sheet dated March 11th, there are numerous statements that both directly and indirectly confirm the existence of these biolabs. The United States, through BTRP, has invested approximately $200 million in Ukraine since 2005, supporting 46 Ukrainian laboratories, health facilities, and diagnostic sites. On CBS Face the Nation on March 13th, CBS National Security Correspondent David Martin said that he'd spoken to a Pentagon official just that morning who told him they're concerned about the existence of these biolabs in Ukraine. The concern is that the Russians will seize one of these uh, biomedical research facilities that Ukraine has where they do research on deadly pathogens like um, botulism and, and anthrax seize one of those facilities, weaponize the pathogen, and then blame it on Ukraine and the U.S. because the U.S. has been providing support for some of the research being done in those facilities. Now, in April of 2020, in refuting Russia's accusations that the U.S. was using biolabs in Ukraine to develop biological weapons, the U.S. Embassy in Ukraine acknowledged that there are U.S.-funded labs in Ukraine working with pathogens for vaccines and other peaceful purposes. In a CNN fact check on March 10th, 2022, there are U.S.-funded biolabs in Ukraine. That much is true. 
Furthermore, according to the DOD, there are two biolabs in Ukraine that have been under Russian control for quite some time. Russia illegally took possession of two Ukrainian-owned laboratories that BTRP upgraded in 2014 and continues to deny Ukrainian access to these facilities. So, Senator Romney, you have a choice. Out of pride, continue to deny the truth or admit that you're wrong. Apologize and resign. Aloha. And remember that without the truth, we can be neither safe nor free. I can't tell you how much I love Tulsi Gabbard. <laughs> that is comment like it is. Seriously. She okay, so here's here's the fallout from everything that happened from them. Give me one second. 